Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam Mishneh Torah, Hilchas Shabbos, the laws of Shabbos, Shabbat, Pedic, Shmone Ve'esrim, chapter 28, as uh, one of our regulars here says, Koach, the chapter of Koach, Hofches, Aleph, we're continuing in the laws of Tchum Shabbos, just to briefly review what was introduced in the previous chapter, there is a verse in the Torah which says, Al Yetze Ish Mimkomo Biyom Hashabos. Al Yetze Ish Mimkomo Biyom Hashmi, rather. A person should not leave his domain, his place, on the seventh day. Our sages, based upon this verse, instituted a mitzvah called Tchum Shabbos. That on Shabbos, once we walk out of the city limits, we should not walk past a certain distance on Shabbos. And there are varying opinions. Some say that distance is 12 kilometer, 12 mil. The common accepted opinion is that it is 2,000 amos, 2,000 cubits is the idea of Tchum Shabbos. It's interesting to point out that this whole idea of Tchum Shabbos is not one of the 39 labors of Shabbos. It's not in Melacha. It's in addition to the 39 labors of Shabbos. There is the idea of Tchum Shabbos. Now, in order to deal with this Tchum Shabbos, which is, although based on a biblical verse, a rabbinic ordinance according to most interpretations. Our sages came up with something called Eruvin. And we'll learn about that. But right now we're learning about how the idea of Tchum Shabbos applies, how we measure the 2,000 cubits from where, from what point, to what point, etc. Aleph 1, in addition to the fact that we learn that when you get to 2,000 cubits outside the city limits, you should walk no more. And as I pointed out in the last chapter, when I was a kid in the summer camps in the Catskill Mountains or in the Montreal uh, Mountains, outside Montreal, and we used to take walks on Shabbat in our camping experience, there were usually markers that said, this is Tchum Shabbos, don't go past here, because it was pre-measured by the camping administration, so we should know that you can't go past this point, because you're outside the city limits, and there are no houses. Now, remember what I said, and there are no houses. And that's what we're about to learn right now. When there is a residential home outside the city limits, so there is a house. That house extends the city limit. If there was between the border of the end of the city to this house, Less than 70 and two-thirds cubits. What's 70 and two-thirds? The length 
of one of the sides of a square, 5,000 square cubits in area, which we talked about earlier. Shehu tzela beisosayim hamrubas eipokos mizeh. That's where it comes from. Because it's one of the sides of a square of 5,000 square cubits in area, which we covered earlier. Then this house within the 70 or so cubits attaches itself to the city. is now considered to be a new boundary to the city. So now when you're going to want to measure the 2,000 cubits that you can walk outside the city limits, you don't measure from the city limits. You now measure from a new limit, which is this house. So you've gained another 70 cubits. You now measure outside this residence. Okay, so what if there's another house? Within 70 cubits of the first house. What if this house was within 70 cubits or so? From the boundary of the city. Then there's another house which is 70 cubits or less away from this house. I remember as a kid we used to walk. We learned earlier, if you're not sure with the cubits, you take an average step, which is about a cubit. So that's a foot and a half. So we used to walk, we said, oh, uh, a house. You know, I don't know, you know whether that was so kosher or not, but hey, I was only nine. And the third house is within 70 cubits of the second house. You can go forever. And forever is a very long time, they used to say when I was a kid. You can walk for days as long as there's a house, a residential home within 70 cubits. Remember, a cubit is about a foot and a half. So it's like 105 feet. Within every 100 feet, there's a house. Because of these residential houses situated every 70 cubits or less, Everything is considered one city now. You want to measure city limits? It's outside the last house. And so this can go forever. Now, provided that, what's a house? A house is a home. Behu there's a minimum size. It has to be a minimum of four cubits by four cubits or more. Six feet by six feet. If it doesn't have the four cubits or four cubits, it's not a house. Minimum. This residence has to be minimum four cubits by four cubits. Not only a house. What about a shul? That works too. So also a house of gathering, a shul. Provided that it also has a residence, because the synagogues used to have residences for the cantor, for the visiting cantors. When Kosovitsky came to the synagogue, he needed some place to stay. So that has a residence. Even, even, listen to this, even, even a house of idol worship, idolatry, 
We're not talking religion here. We're talking residence. Sheyesh It has a dormitory for the priests. It's also a residence. A storeroom, a, store a warehouse that has a place for the guard to sleep. Security. The security guy sleeps there. Like a booth with a cot. Or a bridge that has a dwelling. A bridge usually has a toll collector, has a little house. Or a grave, a cemetery usually has a house for the caretaker. These are all okay. If they exist within the 70 cubits, we're cool. Or the haburgonim. The habayis haboni bayom. A watchtower. I'm sorry, I skipped one. Move back a little bit. Visholish mechitzes she'ein aleim tikra, or three walls without a roof. There's a structure that has three walls but no roof. V'yeshbon arba arba amos, and it has four by four, four cubits by four cubits, or v'haburgonim, a watchtower, v'habayis haboni bayam, or a house built on an island. And the commentaries say the house built on the island is for offloading ships that come. Or a structure with two walls and a roof. A cave with a building at its entrance that's used as a dwelling. All of these are okay. They can be included to extend the city limits. As long as they were within the 70 plus cubits. And now from that house that protrudes these 70 cubits outside the city limits, we see, right, and we see, we make an imaginary line. As if there is an extended line along the length of the entire city. And the 2,000 cubits now gets measured from that line. Now look at the first diagram on your handout of diagrams. You have houses extending the Sabbath limits of a city. So you have A is the city, B are the houses, each within 70 cubits of each other. You see those little dots? Each dot is a house. Along the B line, and I'm not talking about the subway if you're from Brooklyn. C is the beginning of the Shabbos limits. So because of these houses, the boundary of the city has been extended all the way to see, and you make this imaginary line, because remember, the house is only there up, up on top. <laughs> Why is this line going all the way down to the bottom of A, where there's no house? The answer is because that's the halacha. You draw an imaginary line. And that's why this diagram is helpful. Dalid for 
the above structures were okay to extend the city limit. The Elu and the following structures are not okay to extend the city limit. Two walls without a roof. <clears throat> Even though people live there. And the bridge or the grave or the synagogue or the church, the house of idol worship or the warehouse, which have no residence attached to it. We learned earlier, because it has a residence attached to it, it is considered a house, but these do not. And a cistern, a trench, a cave, a dovecoat, a, 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 a place where a bird's nest, and a house on a ship. What's wrong with a house on a ship? There's nothing wrong with it, if you can afford it. What's wrong with it is that it can sail away. So it can't extend the city. All of these and similar edifices to these, Ein Mitzdarfin Imo, cannot be added to the city limit. So here we have the clear definition of what is and what isn't. Now we come to some interesting laws. Hey, what if there were two cities? We use the word cities, but I think we should picture more towns or villages that are located one next to the other. So the question is, how does the Tchum Shabbos, how does the Sabbath 2,000 cubit limit work between them? So you take the 70 in a fraction and you double it. So now you have 141 and a third. If there is 141 and a third, which is 70 and, a fra- and, and, and two-thirds doubled, which gives each village 70 plus on each side, so you measure from the end of one city to the end of the other city. If you cut that distance in half, you'd still have the 70 and, and a fraction or less. And you have a diagram. The diagram are the two rectangular boxes. Each of a city, the line between them is the, dis- the distance. 141 and a third cubits or less. Then because you have this distance and you have at the center point less than 70 and a fraction cubits, we consider them one city. So people, residents from one city on Shabbos can walk not only to the other city, but they can walk outside the parameters of the other city, 2,000 cubits. We've just combined the cities by virtue of the fact that we have 70 in a fraction at the center point between the two cities, or less. Now we come to another scenario, and there is a diagram, triangular. What if there were three villages, triangularly situated, situated like a triangle? And here in this diagram, you have three villages located in a triangle. City A, City B, and City C. 
Im yesh bein ho'em tsoi. If there is between the middle one. And in this case, the middle one is the bottom of the triangle. Uvein kol echad ve'echad. And between the other two, if there is between C and A and B, minachitsoinim of the outer ones, alpayim, I lost my place here. I mean, I can say, Apayim Amma, 2,000 cubits, Eipachas, Mikan Orlez. Remember, the Shabbos distance of Tchum Shabbos is 2,000 cubits. You're not allowed to walk past 2,000 cubits outside the city limits. Here we have between city C and city B, you walk it, you measure it, it's 2,000 cubits or less. Between city C and city A, you have between 2,000 cubits or less. And between the two outer ones, meaning between city A and city B. Masayim, Sholish, Ushmanim, Pachashlish. 282 and two thirds cubits or less between the villages on the extremity. And here again, you see in the diagram up on top, between A and B, there's 282, which is twice the 141. Plus. So that, one second. So that there will now be between each of them and between the middle. What middle? This is strange. If you're looking at the middle from A and B, there is no middle. There's nothing there. Yes, there is. Because you take C and you draw an imaginary line. Up to the top. Imagine if city C, the one in the middle, goes all the way up and is situated now between them. So now you have that 141. Because you took the city C, drew an imaginary line, it comes between them. So this is halacha. This triangle now becomes like one unified city. So now if anyone from any of the three cities wants to walk on Shabbos outside the limits, what limits? Any of the limits of any of these cities. The cities have become unified because of the distance between them is less than this diagram shows. And if you're missing the point here, it's complicated. If you're getting the point, you're good at math. Ir Now he says a different halacha towards the end of five. When the wall of a city was built. First they built the wall. And then they settled the city. The wall came first. The houses came later. It's not a city until there are houses. So therefore... You measure from the houses. Yoshua, but if it was first settled, and then they built a wall, so the wall extends the city, you can now extend from the wall, measure from the wall. Vov, now comes a very interesting law. If you did really good in geometry, you're going to really understand this. If there was a city that was either rectangular or square, and 
for those who don't know the basic difference between rectangular and square, square would be 10 feet by 10 feet, rectangular would be 20 feet by 10 feet, or something like that, but it's still square in shape. So a city that was rectangular or square, the bottom line is it has four equal corners. When you want to measure distance, you measure from the four corners. Because it's either a square or a rectangle. So it has set corners. What do you measure? You measure 2,000 cubits from every side of every wall. You have the eastern wall, 2,000 cubits. The western wall, 2,000 cubits. The northern wall, 2,000 cubits. The southern wall, 2,000 cubits. It's very simple. However, here's where it's not simple. What if it was a round city? Or oval city? Or... Then you have to make imaginary corners. You draw a square or a rectangle around it. And you picture the city limits in the square that you drew around the circle. So you gain area. And again, look at the diagram superimposing a rectangle around the city. A is the city. Now the city ended, but because we imposed a rectangle, we've extended the city. And the bottom line, as we will see in these laws, is that because this is rabbinic in origin, they always take the more liberal view. So we're looking to extend. We're looking to make bigger And then you measure outside that squared boundary, Alpayamama 2,000 cubits, to every direction. So you now gain the corners, which are really outside the city limits. But because you created an imaginary square, they become part of the city. Zion 7, So also if the city was triangular or it has many, many walls, so you always create a rectangle around it. And afterwards, you measure outside that imposed square, 2,000 cubits from every side. Now, it's interesting. How do you draw that rectangle? The answer is, when you draw that imaginary square or rectangle, you use the directions of the world, meaning you use the east line, the west line, the north line, the south line. Even though the city is not going east or west, many cities are going northeast or northwest or whatever the situation is. Here, this box, this imaginary box, follows the real northern line or southern line or eastern line or western line. That's called ribua ha'olam. You square it by the square of the world. So that each of the four directions extend in a straight line vertically, horizontally, by the east, west, north, south of reality. What if it was 
wide on one side and short on the other side, called the trapezoid, and you have a diagram. So the question is, on one side it's so big, on the other side it's much narrower, it has less width. What do you do? We take the width and we give the narrow side the benefit of the width. So we create a rectangle around the trapezoid. What if it's shaped like the Greek letter gam, which is an L-shaped, and here there's a diagram of the L-shaped, meaning the city is L-shaped. Or it was not L-shaped, but it was crescent-shaped. And there's a diagram of crescent-shaped as well. You have a crescent-shaped street with houses that go all around this crescent-shaped street. And that's the city. As they used to say back home, do me something. Do me something. That's the city. If there is between the two ends less than 4,000 cubits, and here you have a diagram, an L-shaped city with less than 4,000 cubits between its furthest ends. So we have A is less than 4,000 cubits. So we have B, 2,000 cubits outside the outer parameter, the beginning of the Shabbos limits. So we measure from the imaginary line that connects these points. And we imagine the entire area between the lines, between the ark, as if they're filled with houses. But if there was more than 4,000 cubits between the two points, then... You just measure from the top of the crescent. You cannot make an imaginary city throughout because the, what's the measure of the 4,000? It's 2,000 plus 2,000. 2,000 from each end. So if it's more than 4,000, as the crescent-shaped city diagram shows, 4,000 cubits or more, and B would be the point from which the Shabbos limits are measured. There is an opinion that says that being that this doesn't work out as a real city, you have to measure from each house separately. And you have the other diagram as well. Okay, test nine. A city located at the edge of a river. Very often you have a city which goes into a river. Now the question is, is the river part of the city? If there is a dock four cubits wide at the river bank, in order that people should be able to stand on this dock, like the uh, pier, and use the river. Now, because there is a dock that makes the river usable, the river has now become an extension of the city. So when you want to measure 2,000 cubits as how far you can walk on Shabbos, it's from the other side of the river. Because the river has now become extent, a part of the city. And the entire river, or, or stream, or brook, becomes an extension of the city because of this dock, which is built on the side. 
on the side of the river, on the bank of the river. But if there was no dock, which makes the river usable from the edge of the city, then we go back to the last door of the last house. So now the river is now measured, or is the river within 2,000 cubits from the last house? So that one dock changes the reality. Imagine if they had two docks, it was a paradox. All right, just waking everybody up here, the steep mathematics. Yud What about people who live in huts? Hut dwellers. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Is that considered a city? You measure each hut dweller two thousand cubits from his hut, because that's where he lives. However. If in this hot city, all right, if in this tent city, you have three courtyards, each with a minimum of two real houses, and the rest are huts, Hukbukulam, all the huts become part of a city because of these three courtyards with a minimum of two houses each. And you create an imaginary square around that. And you give them 2,000 cubits to walk outside the imaginary square like any other city. Now the question is, how do you measure? So we're going to be dealing with, in the next section, how do you measure and who measures? There's only one way to measure, and that is by using a measuring rope, which is 50 cubits long. So you designate a measuring rope 50 cubits long. Remember, a cubit is about a foot and a half, so it's a 75-foot rope. And that's the official measuring rope. He says, I don't want a hundred, and I don't want 25, I want 50 cubits. What kind of rope? What should the rope be made of? How about uh, chewing gum? O bechevel, licorice. O bechevel shall pishton, it must be nylon, it must be flax. It must be flax. It shouldn't stretch, because stretching is bad for measuring. Okay, so we now know that we need a flax material, 50 cubit rope, which is the official measuring rope. And that's how we measure cubits. So if we want to know if the house is 70 cubits or less, we use that rope. We want to measure 2,000 cubits from the city, from the, from the city limits, we use that rope. You send out the measuring team, and they go 50 cubits at a time. That's very nice until they reach a valley, a canyon, a crevice. If it be width from one side of the canyon to the other is 50 cubits. You take the rope, you throw it to the other side, and it's within 50 cubits. Which means the rope works. You can hold it on two sides. So you swallow it in, and it's, it's, it's not a problem. Provided that the crevice is less than 4,000 
cubits deep. That would be 6,000 feet deep. Because if it's more than 4,000 cubits deep, you can't even dream of combining them. It's a world unto itself. And there are various opinions as he brings down here in the note. Yud base 12, Bamed, Baramamurim, when does this apply? If you take a plumb line and it goes straight down. That means that the pitch is so extreme that you can't utilize the slope of the canyon as you go down. If the plumb line does not go down straight, then it's questionable whether you can just go from one side to the other and swallow up that whole canyon. Unless it was 2,000 cubits or less. Because the question is, should you just measure the area as you walk down the slope? What if there was a gradual descent? So he ascends and descends. Measuring by approximation. He approximates it. If it's more than 50 cubits wide. He can't span it by this rope, which is only 50 cubits. He goes to a place where he can. Meaning, the canyon comes to an end, and then there is a terrain which is flat, alongside of it, parallel to it. He measures alongside of it, parallel to it, and then he comes back. 14, he comes to a wall. How do you deal with a wall? So we don't say that they have to drill the wall, pierce the wall. He can estimate the width of the wall and keep going. But if the wall can be used by the public, it must be measured in an exact manner because he has access. If the plumb line went directly parallel, then he measures the thickness appropriately. He comes to a mountain. It depends how steep the incline is. If the slope of the mountain ascends 10 hand breaths. Remember we learned a hand breath is approximately uh, what was it? Three, uh, 3.15 inches. So 10 hand breaths is 31 and a half inches. If it ascends two and a half feet within a length of five cubits. So, you know, every time there is an incline, the question is how steep? A ramp. There are laws in Los Angeles about handicap ramps. How steep? So we want to know how steep. So this one goes up five, uh, ten, ten hand breaths within five cubits. So then they should measure the span. They measure the span above the mountain. They take the distance above the mountain 
and return to their ordinary measurement. How do you take the, the distance above the mountain? So he says by erecting a pole equivalent to the height of the mountain on either side, and then you measure between the poles. But if it had such an incline, where you went ten hand breaths in four cubits, not in five cubits, but in four cubits, it's a steeper incline. He measures it and he goes home. If he can't swallow it within that measure, was more than fifty. He approximates it little by little. On mountains, they can measure by approximation, again showing the liberal approach that we take here. <coughs> Excuse me one second. Just having a sip of tea here. 16. Ketzad Mekadrin Behorim A. How do we measure mountains or valley or valleys that cannot be spanned by approximation? There's another way. Two people hold the rope four amas long. An amma is about a foot and a half. So imagine you have two people holding a rope six foot long. Now we're talking about measuring an incline going up or down. The one on top holds the rope at his feet. So that's the level that the rope is at. The one below, six feet at the end of the rope, holds the rope against his chest. So you should have a straight line. Because you're going on an incline. One guy is at the foot and the other guy is at the chest. You've got to make that the rope should be straight. And then the top guy goes and takes the place, does it again. That's the best way to get a level measurement. And they keep going down the incline until they get a correct level measurement. Now here he says that when the guy who's measuring has to figure out how to swallow up the span of a mountain or a valley. He should not go outside the Shabbos limits. What's the problem? He's only investigating. The problem is, that passers-by will see him, they'll say, hey, this must be part of the okay distance out of this city. Aha, we can walk this far, because they're going to misunderstand what they're doing there. So you've got to be careful. Now the question is, who measures? You need an expert. The Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah says an engineer, somebody who knows engineering and is proficient in the measuring of land. He needs to know the measure of land. What if there's a community, they say, we had set boundaries of how far we can walk on Shabbos. And then an engineer with licenses from Harvard, from MIT, he came and he said, I know how to measure. 
Riba batchum mehem, umiyat batchum. Sometimes he increased the boundary, sometimes he decreased the boundary. Uh, a new engineer came to town, he's redefining the boundaries. What's the story? Do we rely on the new one or the old one? He says, Shaymele batchum shariba. This phrase has various interpretations. One interpretation is we only listen when he increases. We don't listen to him when he decreases because we want to take the liberal approach. Another is we listen to everything he says. If two experts come and measure, and one comes up with a bigger span and the other comes up with a smaller span, take the bigger one. Always listen to the bigger one. As long as he shouldn't make it greater than the difference between the diagonal and the border of the city, which I believe is the difference between 2,000 cubits and 2,800 cubits mentioned before. When one increases, we can say, maybe the first one went from the corner of the city. That's why he's limited. Which is why he's less than 2,000. But the other one took the span of the square, of the imposed square. So we don't Change the opinion of the first lefikah. Therefore, as long as it's less than than five hundred eighty cubits, it's fine. But more than that, ain't shemenlay. So again, we're always looking for the more liberal approach. And finally, nineteen says, who is reliable to tell us where the boundary of Shabbos is? A eved, even a slave who is not kosher to come and tell. And testify in court. I feel a shivcha, even a female slave. Anyone, Namonim Loimar, are trustworthy and believed to say, Ad Kant Chum HaShabbos. This is the Shabbos boundary, because we're revealing information. An adult can say, Zacharoni, I remember when I was a kid. Sha'at Kana, you know, Tracy caught when I was a kid. This was as far as we came. What do you mean when you were a kid? When you were a kid, you were not a kosher witness. It doesn't matter. I'm giving you information. The same on this type of thing, we can rely on his, on his testimony. Because our sages always leaned not towards becoming more stringent, but towards becoming more lenient. With this halacha, why is that? So many laws, we take the more stringent approach. The answer is because the whole 2,000 cubits thing is a rabbinic law. As we learned in the very beginning of the previous chapter, there are those who claim that the distance is 12 mil, 12 kilometers. So therefore, being that this is rabbinic, the rabbinic, the rabbis were able to modify their decree with a lenient approach. End of chapter 28.